You're listening to Spoken Bride, a podcast for Catholic brides and newlyweds chasing authentic love and divine romance. Hi, friends. Thank you so much for joining me at Spoken Bride, a podcast inviting Catholic brides and newlyweds into what is sacred and what is real. This is Spoken Bride's co-founder, Stephanie Kellist, and I am your guest host here on the podcast for the first time. And I'm really excited to have joining me today for our annual Vendor Week, Elizabeth Mahon of Elizabeth M. Photography. Elizabeth has been photographing weddings for over a decade, and if you look at her images um, online on social media, she brings just this beautiful um, natural light. It's just like flooding all of her images and this beautiful sense of like classic timelessness to all of her images that I've seen. Like you can just picture it on the wall of your house with your grandchildren surrounding you, you know, God willing, just so much, so much beauty. And so we're so excited to have her. Elizabeth is a wife and a mother based in Baltimore, Maryland, and her business serves couples nationwide. Hey, Elizabeth, thank you for being here with us. Hey, Stephanie, of course. Thanks for having me. Absolutely, yeah. So it's been really amazing watching your business grow. You've been um, a professional photographer for over a decade, and um, we've actually met before a couple of times at um, various Catholic weddings you've photographed in the Maryland area over the years. So um, I'm really glad that I'm the one who gets to talk with you today. Um, For our listeners who aren't familiar, um, do you want to introduce yourself and talk a little bit about how you got started in this field? Sure. So um, yes, Stephanie, it's funny. I think about Beth's wedding that you were a bridesmaid and I was the photographer so many years ago. And And then, yeah, that's right. And then when you, um, start founded spoken bride I was like you look familiar do I know you and then I love how our paths kind of over you know overlapped and we crossed crossed paths over the last couple of years it's been great so yeah I've been shooting wedding for weddings for about 10 years and um, I have a pretty good deal of experience when it comes to um, what lasts to be on a wedding day Catholic wedding masses I've done weddings of all types mm-hmm. um, but there's nothing quite like a Catholic wedding mass I feel like I favor them one, as a bride and a, you know, Catholic wife myself, but also as a photographer, there's just such a richness to Catholic weddings and I love doing them. So they are definitely my bread and butter or my passion. I do uh, portraits, engagements, family sessions, seniors, so pretty much everything in between. But um, yeah, wedding, wedding photography is my, and my sole focus for photography. Did you always love photography? Yeah, it was funny when I was a kid. I mean, who didn't have a Kodak, like um, Polaroid or right. something that they could take pictures? I remember disposable cameras. I always yeah. would go through them and get them developed. <laughs> and it would come back with rolls of, you know, the rolls would come back with pictures on it. There were some indistinguishable. And I was like, what is this a picture of? So I did that for a long time. But then it, I really got serious about it in college. Mm-hmm. I always had an appreciation for, uh, you know, beautiful images and the arts. And I think that beautiful photography always, you know, I always appreciated it. And when I went to go study abroad in Austria, I went to Franciscan University and they have an Austria study abroad program. So if any fellow Frannies are listening, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. And even if you didn't go to Franciscan, I'm sure you've heard of the Austria program. Um, but I bought a nice camera to be able to take good pictures when I was in Austria. And that's kind of where I got serious about photography, you know, past the Polaroids and 
disposable cameras and digital film, you know, digital cameras. But um, that's when I got really into photography. And then when I got back from my semester abroad, a friend of mine, actually a classmate, mm-hmm. Uh, Franciscan asked me to photograph her wedding and I remember thinking I don't want that responsibility (laughs) like that's a big deal and um she she was like we can't really afford a lot they were they were in college still and I remember thinking you know what I'd be honored to do that and that was my very first wedding in 2009 2000 yeah fall of 2009 and then that kind of just started that at one after another people were like hey I saw that you did so-and-so's pictures or hey I've seen your work from I did photography for Franciscan as well like the public relations department and it just kind of snowballed from there I think Franciscan was a great start of <laughs> so many couples <laughs> leaving Franciscan getting married I did a lot of Franciscan couples when I first started out and then word of mouth branched out in, in the Baltimore area and then I've oh gosh I've gone all over the country. I think like 21 states, I think. I just counted the other day. Nice. I've done weddings yeah. in 20, yeah, 21 states and DC, if you count that. So it's really- yeah, that's kind of how I got it started. That's awesome. Um, it's cool to me that so much of your growth was like person to person at a time where people couldn't just open up Instagram and search, you know, like a hashtag for a photographer in their state or a style that they liked, but that, um, you know, knowing you or having a friend of a friend know you was like how you built everything it just seems so awesome how like community oriented that was so I really admire that yeah absolutely I mean I think that we my my husband and I when he did he would second shoot with me all the time we said like we're such we're so personable people or like person to person and that is I, I very much appreciate how most of my referrals come from friends or they come from brides who I've worked with or guests who are at weddings and even past Franciscan I've done so many weddings of friends of bridesmaids mm-hmm. who were in other weddings you know and I, I do love that community aspect of it and I personally I mean I love Instagram it's done great things but I do love that time that people could know by word of mouth or know by community outside of social media that was really for nice. sure yeah yeah that's great um so you've shared with us before that um, you said that um, studying and really like entering into the sacraments has been really formational in your faith, that you just, you love the sacraments, you love the traditions of the church. Um, can you tell us more about that, like in your spiritual journey or how that plays into attending so many weddings? Yes. So I love the sacraments. <laughs> There's something, again, so unique about the Catholic faith and the actual work of the sacraments. Like if you, I've always thought about it ever since, I mean, I took CCD or ever since that we did, like I was in, I went to Catholic school, but before um, I went to Mount Sales Academy in Catonsville and had really rigorous education by the Dominican sisters in the faith and learning about them in a like classroom setting from CCD all the way through high school, knowing what the sacraments are like, okay, an outward sign instituted by God or Christ to give grace, like that whole aspect mm-hmm. of it but really applying it and looking at the role that the sacraments played in my life as I grew in my faith. And like, as I grew up, just the richness of it and the tradition of thousands of years of these works of the mass confession, the Eucharist, like there's something so tangible and real about it. Like we are human beings who are a flesh and blood and we need the sensory, you know, the sensory part of our faith. So I always think about like learning of, you know, matter and form of sacraments, like baptism, it's water, like you have to feel the water, you know, Eucharist, you taste it. 
um, you know, you smell the incense at mass. Like there's so many things that are sensory about the sacraments Mm -hmm. that as humans, I mean, we crave that we are sensory beings. Like we have to have that, that level to our lives. And I think that level to our faith. And that's something that the sacraments really bring to anybody's faith journey. But specifically, I mean, I look at my faith journey and I think about how I've really been able to connect with Christ as a person, you know, as, and I'm a person, he's a person yeah. through the sacraments in that real tangible way. And um, I do, I love the tradition. I, I love the tradition of getting married in a church, the Catholic vows, the richness to it all. I mean, like I said, when you pair it with the incense and the, you know, beautiful communion, beautiful music, sacred music. And um, there's something so you know pleasing to the ears when you're in a cathedral and you hear this gorgeous music and a bride's coming in the back of the church. It's just, there's, there's something about it that really does strike you. Um, you know, it stops you. And even as I've done so many Catholic weddings, it doesn't get old. Like it really doesn't get old. Um, so I love being able to incorporate the sacraments as part of my work. I feel so lucky that, oh my gosh, I get paid to go to mass. Like I'm at mass for work. <laughs> um, you know, when I do Catholic weddings, it's awesome. But also too, like other ones, you know, confession. And like I said, um, baptism. And I've actually photographed a couple of baptisms and then obviously my own children's baptisms. And I look at the fullness of the sacraments too, like how they all connect at a Catholic wedding mass, like when they bring up baptismal vows and how they connect with your wedding vows. And then you talk about your future children and like how you're going to raise them Catholic yeah. and, you know, bring them up in the church, like it coming full circle. It's just, it's such a beautiful mystery that you could talk, I could talk about for hours. It's, <laughs> it's so cool to think about that. Yeah. yeah. So I love all the connections. <laughs> Um, it does seem like the sacraments of vocation in particular um, really do bring in every sensory aspect that you can think of, just like you mentioned, you know, um, at a baptism, at a first communion, at a confirmation, you do have, um, you know, the smells and the music and, and the visuals. But I feel like you hit it on the head when you say that something really does stop you and stand apart, you know, when you see the doors open and you see the processional. And um, just as you were talking, I was thinking that like a photograph itself is almost um sacramental just in the sense of like conveying something that can't necessarily just be communicated in words you know it's like an image of something that really happened and if we as catholics believe that you know the lord truly is like coming down and like his presence is real and is there at a wedding mass then you know anyone who sees it is invited into that moment for you know however long they're able to look at it um and so I don't know I just find that really profound that something can you know take those moments and then it makes something visible to anyone then you know who encounters it whether it's another you know generation of your family or even if it's just like friends scrolling through their their social media I think you're so right that something really does stand out when you see like such a purity of love and like a foundation on on tradition and on on joy I'm like smiling so much as I'm saying it really (laughs) it really is encouraging um I mean you think about you think about like images in the church like images icons statues in the church like the stations of the cross like you said they're images that behold something and I always oh my gosh whenever I do a Catholic wedding mass. I think like what's a unique angle that I can get that not everybody can see. Mm. So you've got guests in the pews, you've got musicians in the choir loft, to the bride and the groom on the altar, wherever they are. And I always try to think obviously as discreetly as possible moving around the church, but what's an angle or what's something that I can get that would convey that or like let people see this little taste of heaven and let people see an angle of this church that they might not have noticed before or that they don't have access to during the mass because they're a guest or the bride isn't able to see how she looks or how the 
congregation looks until she gets her photos back. Mm -hmm. And um, in particular, I did a wedding actually of a friend of mutual friend of both of ours up in Saratoga, New York, um, Megan and Colin, they were two friends from college. And I remember um, it was the groom's brother was the priest who married them. He did their, their nuptial mass. And he told me afterwards, he was, after they got the photos back, one of the biggest compliments that I ever got was from him, the priest. And he goes, this was just, you know, you captured the beauty of the sacrament. Oh, and everything. That's what it's about. Like, that's exactly what it's about. Yeah. Incredible. So, yeah. um, For any Catholic couples that are preparing for marriage who are listening to this, um, do you have any, like, particular pieces of advice or, like, images insights related to the sacraments that they could kind of like hone in on to develop that sensibility for themselves getting ready for yeah so something i was gonna say if you can find if you haven't picked your church already Mm -hmm. depending on your parish or where everything of getting married find a beautiful church Mm -hmm. like a physically beautiful church this is something that i am i mean i love vatican ii and the the good things that came from vatican ii but i am very struck by beautiful churches like physically beautiful churches Mm -hmm. so um if you're looking for you know if you're wanting to get married in a church sometimes people say like i would love to get married outside because that's where i experience you know christ i experience i experience god in nature or i experience god on the beach or wherever it is and i think a beautiful church really is like how you can elevate it's how you can get close to heaven or you, you you can feel like you have this celestial experience in a church so I would say find a beautiful church Mm. even if it's not your home parish my husband and I actually got married at a church in Baltimore it's called Corpus Christi and I remember do you know it I've heard of the name yeah yeah so I um my home parish is pretty modern looking it's um just pretty modern looking I'll I'll leave it at that (laughs) and I remember saying I really want a beautiful church I want to get married in a beautiful church and because the church again is universal like it's universal so it doesn't have to be my home parish I remember kind of breaking that thinking thinking like oh my gosh I'm breaking tradition because I'm not getting married in the same church where I received a lot of my sacraments but um seeing the church is universal find a beautiful church like a physically beautiful church and um other aspects like of your mass choosing the readings like the scriptures that people will hear beautiful readings and hearing like the word of God pick something that I mean they give you a, a book that you can choose your readings from right. but something that speaks to you as a couple but also um that your guests will hear your wedding guests will hear you'll have so many people who come to your wedding mass who might not be catholic and who might not be familiar with a lot of the things of the church so for them to hear those words of the gospels that's important you know picking good readings or picking readings that you think will speak to your congregation speak to you yeah and also really beautiful music my husband's a musician so I'm partial to you know beautiful liturgical music but like I said having beautiful music spend time looking for a musician spend time I know a lot of times people will go with the church lady or whoever is the organist at the parish or whoever is the pianist at the parish and I think that that's something I would encourage couples to look at maybe looking into finding an outside musician. I, know, I don't know if that's something that people are like quick to look for. I know they're looking for like the photographer or the florist or different vendors, but if you can spend time looking at um, people who will enrich the sacrament, a musician is a, is a big one. So finding, finding time to get a good musician and then ask your priest if you can use incense. That's something that I love at a wedding mass is when couples are able to use incense. Cause again, it's that sensory aspect to it that you can smell the incense and it's that fragrance of, um, you know, it always brings to mind like the, the sites in Revelation with like 
just that, that that image of celestial you know unity with Christ and I think that ask your ask your priest if you can use incense that's always a little tip that I always tell people (laughs) so those are some things like when you're looking at and of course focusing on the reception and focusing on making sure you have good music at the reception too but when it comes to like the actual nuptial mass those are little things in my experience that I've seen that I notice make a difference right away oh my gosh they've got beautiful music wow this church is striking oh my gosh I can see and smell the incense in this church or hearing the readings you know, that speak to the couple. So those are things that I notice right away or that I've experienced in doing wedding photography that I'm like, yes, they have good music. <laughs> so, but I'm sure you're not the only one present who would that would stand out to, you know, whether it's wedding guests who are Catholic or who aren't or who've like been away from the church. Um, I am totally with you that there just is, um, there's something so captivating about being in, you know, a beautiful setting or surrounded by beautiful music or smelling something that you don't just like smell out in the world that really does um, get your attention, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, How has it been with COVID? Has that changed your business? Has that? um, Oh my gosh, what a year. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So it's funny when the, it was about a year ago, it was February last year, right. I was looking at my lineup for the year 2020 was going to be a great year. I had all these <laughs> weddings lined up and I was sending out, you know, contracts and little gift boxes and things prepping for weddings and so excited. And my first wedding was scheduled for April and it was, they were a secular, secular couple and they ended up pushing it to August because they were like, we don't know, we want to still have people and I remember thinking, wow, I cannot believe they pushed their wedding. Like that's gotta be, and I was available for the date, but I was like moving all the vendors and moving all of the stuff. That sounds, seems like a lot of hassle. Wow. Little did I know that like pretty much every wedding would have a wrench thrown into it. Month postponement doesn't seem like as big of a extreme. Oh my gosh. No, it doesn't. And I've had that couple actually, they scheduled it for August and then actually rescheduled it. I'm doing it next, this fall, 2021 fall. So they, yeah. It's Um, great that they but of canceling I've heard it said that just extending the contract or um, postponing and rescheduling is really helpful to vendors oh yeah just... and I, I always tell my couple uh, my couples and everybody like I'm here for you and that's something that when people booking mm-hmm. looking for your vendors I always encourage people and I tell this to people all the time like you should have a connection with your vendors on a personal level like yes they can provide a great product like beautiful flowers or great pictures but you should like them personally as well and have a connection with them on a personal level, because if you do need to make a change or if something does happen, like you have that personal connection, it makes it, it makes it better. Like I tell all my clients, I'm here for you. I'm here for you in whatever way, shape possible, you know, whatever way, shape, form your wedding turns out to look, I'm here for you. We signed a contract and I will do anything in my power to make it, you know, I, I don't want you to stress about photography. And I know a couple of clients were like, this is, this is so great because we're so stressed about everything else. Um, so I always tell people when looking for vendors, connect with them on a personal level. Right. It's of course great to look at their work and say like, wow, they do beautiful work. I would love to have them do my wedding, but I've had couples, uh, I've had con- um, conversations with couples even before they booked me. And sometimes I feel like this might not be a good fit, not because I can't provide a service to them that they would like, but I think, wow, I'm going to spend more time with this bride on her wedding day than her husband oh yeah I want to get along with her like I want to connect with her I want to yeah to have a friendship with her yeah so COVID was it was interesting with that because most of my couples I mean we were back and forth more intimately than I think I have with any you know group of clients ever my COVID brides I have a soft spot for them (laughs) because of all of that but I actually didn't shoot my first wedding until July 
wow. which is like unheard of in the wedding industry. And I mean, all of my peers and all of my fellow photographers, same thing. We were all in it together from a vendor's perspective, but then brides were all in it together from you know a bridal perspective. But I didn't do my first wedding until July. And then I had a lot of reschedules. Um, and I was willing to work with the brides and you know figure out we can make this work. I actually ended up doing a wedding on December 30th. It was a Wednesday. But it was a Wednesday, you know, a small um, Catholic mass at St. John's in Zaverna Park. Okay. And they only have like 20 people there. And I remember thinking like, wow, I've never done a Wednesday wedding before. <laughs> but hey, this is, you know, this is COVID. And, and um, yeah, so it definitely changed. I mean, this year was very different for me as far as like a wedding photographer goes, like what a, what a regular schedule is. But it also, oh, sorry, go ahead. That's all. I said it also, um, it also allowed me to do more family and portrait pictures that I usually don't get to do because I'm so busy with weddings. So I was able to do a lot more um, like family, family photos and family work and, and different, different, I was able to offer services that I can't usually offer because of photography and because of weddings. That's great. I know that um, thinking back to my wedding, that was by far the most hectic part of the day was the family portraits and like the more formal things. Um, I got married before first looks were a thing too. And Mm -hmm. I know that that kind of factors in often to how many portraits you're able to get before the ceremony. And sometimes it can like calm things down a little bit after. Um, So I haven't experienced that firsthand, but yeah, like those most micro of like micro weddings, um, I guess there really is like a focus on like who matters the most. Um, I had a friend who was engaged this year um, at the same time as her sister. And so they got married, I think three or four months apart, but they both ended up keeping their original wedding date, but having to cut it down to, I think like 15 people for one and 30 for the other with restrictions in Washington, DC. And she was telling me that even though it was such an adjustment of her, expectations when they were up on the altar she felt just such like a different sense of presence than she thought she might have felt if there had been 200 people in the church because after you know after you leave the church and you're living out your marriage then um who's gonna be with you and like walk alongside you for like the rest of your lives like chances are it's going to be you know your parents your siblings and your closest friends and so even though there was that bittersweetness of not having everyone present who she would have loved to see on her wedding day she also was just making the point that there was like a lot of a lot of comfort in knowing that they were surrounded by everyone who was like in it for life with them to support them I thought that was such a neat attitude and just like such a good reminder it is and I feel like so many people there's such a trend in the wedding industry that's like do whatever you want it's your wedding you make it whatever you want it to be so you can get married wherever and do whatever and make it about you guys and however you want it to be and I think that that micro like under a microscope of COVID is a recipe for disaster and when you look at again I talked a lot about tradition and the church earlier in the podcast or earlier in our conversation mm-hmm. like that really is what is important and like the value of the traditions and what the church prioritizes for couples it's what it's all about. And I feel like with all of my COVID weddings, I've been able to see that on full display in all of them. It's funny. I actually, one of my, I did a great wedding this summer. It was actually at the parish where I belong. And the, it's a third ordinariate, a parish of the third ordinariate. So the priest, the pastor is married. They were an Anglican parish Mm -hmm. and the entire congregation converted 
to Catholicism and they came under when Pope Benedict was the um, when Pope Benedict was Pope and he gave a window for certain parishes to be able to convert completely with the shortage of priests. Wow. The pastors at the, the pastors at those existing parishes had to undergo obviously seminary for to become Roman Catholic priests. Mm-hmm. So it's odd when everybody says like, well, he's a married priest. Like it sounds weird, but it's approved. And it, it was a window of time with the entire parish coming in. But the pastor, and he did the wedding, it was actually his granddaughter. So he married his grand, his granddaughter to her oh, you know, now husband. Yeah. And uh, there's a part in the nuptial mass or the nuptial blessing right after the Our Father. And um, there's a line about, I'm going to butcher it. I'm not going to say it correctly, but something about seeing your children's children. Oh, yeah. You know, growing oh, yeah. to see your children's children. And he got choked up and he never really showed emotion. Not never shows emotion, but oh, that's seeing so- him show the emotion of like, his grandchild getting married in the church and he was presiding. It was beautiful. That's incredible. Like a beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. And there weren't that many people at the wedding. I mean, it was a lot of family and it was beautiful. But again, like the emphasis on what's important of like, this is the, this is the catalyst and the starting point for your family life. Like, this is what it's about. This is what it's, you know, what's important. So that was a a little gem to my summer. (laughs) Amen. That's um, so great. Like the church isn't going anywhere you know, like yeah. she can be closed or restrictions can be there, but, you know, she hasn't endured for 2000 years for nothing. And so um, I think that's such a good reminder that um, even with like all the upheaval and, and all of the change that for anyone who maybe feels like uh, the rug got pulled out from under them or that they're constantly having to change their plans or change their expectations that, um, you know, the church is our like, steady guide you know shelter yeah it's our shelter absolutely yeah and I mean even going back to the Catholic wedding vows Mm -hmm. like that's something that again they're they're so true and rooted in just capital t truth like that is so reassuring that even if even in the middle of a global pandemic like in bed for better or for worse in sickness and in health like a global pandemic is probably not exactly like the peak or the best that it can be (laughs) but in it you know (laughs) Yeah, and that's why it's funny. People love when couples write their own vows, and there can be something so beautiful about that that's personal and unique to the couple. But I do love, especially with COVID, hearing those vows. And like I said about the church being universal, it doesn't matter whether it's a global pandemic or whether you have 500 people in a cathedral. Sure. Those vows are the same. It's the same. You know, like you said, it's unchanged. Yeah, yeah. Wow. So you said that your advice for couples who are changing things is to try and invest in vendors who they feel um, they're supported by and whom they can support, you know, by sticking with each other, by kind of leaning on the church and leaning on, on tradition as like a source of comfort and a source of, of steadiness during all of the craziness. Um, Do you have any other tips that you would give to couples listening who might currently be going through those anxieties or those questions with changing plans? Yeah. I mean, and I, I say this, not with a ton of experience, you know, or claim to be an expert on a subject, but I feel like it's a really good, you guys, whoever is listening to this, if they're planning a wedding during COVID, this is like a microcosm or a really good launching point for marriage. Marriage is hard. It doesn't always go according to plan. Like things are ugly. Things are messy. Things, things don't go exactly how you could plan them to go. There's so many times that I've laid out things how I thought my life would go within my marriage and they have not turned out that way. And not that they're bad for it but it's just different than I expected or anticipated and I think that any couple all of my couples who have gotten married 
this year in the pandemic say like, wow, if we planned a wedding through a pandemic, we can get through a lot. This is the test. You know, and it sounds, yeah, it sounds, yeah, it sounds cliche to say it, but from the very beginning, truly you're going, you're, you're getting a little taste of, of what marriage is and how, how Mm -hmm. hard it can be or different things. Like you said, expectations to life, maybe, you know, oh my gosh, I would love to have a big family. I would love seven or eight kids. And then you just have infertility, you know, there's, you know, you could, a couple could struggle with infertility. Mm-hmm. Like what a hard blow. That's such a, that's such a cross and something really hard to bear. But like you had these expectations of wanting a huge Catholic family and that might look a little different than you initially planned. Oh, I had this vision of having this wedding in a cathedral and now I really only get to have 50 people there because of COVID restrictions, like setting, being open to like the fact that God will change things in your life. And they're not, I know that it's hard, easier said than done. And I say this, like I said, with not a lot of experience, but I do think that it's a metaphor for just how you can expect something to be or want something to be. And then (laughs) God has other plans and he changes everything. So I don't know if that's great advice because I'm sure they've heard that before, but it is something, like I said, having been married myself and look at, we've been married nine years now. And I look back on my gosh, when I was married and expectations that I had of owning a home or having this many kids or whatever it is, like you think about it and, um, yeah, taking it one day at a time. But like you said, leaning in the church and leaning on the fact that, that Christ is constant and the church, you know, is steadfast and, and yeah, sturdy and sane throughout all of it. And that's even more, I would tell people, cling to tradition even more, cling to the church even more in this because that's what's going to be there for you on the other end. And of course, it's something too, I know a lot of my couples have planned larger parties down the road. And I think what a party oh, that will yeah. be. Oh my gosh, when we all get on the other side of COVID. So going through with the the sacrament part of it and knowing too that to be with your significant other in the way that you want to be with them as a married person is it's something that it's so worth going through with to be in that way. And I think that um yeah, couples, Catholic couples who are steadfast and going through with it, don't think that you're making the wrong choice because it's a smaller wedding. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, oh, it's not exactly the dream wedding that I wanted, but I'm going to push it off or, you know, I'm going to go through with it. It's, it's definitely worth it. I feel like to get married. So I always cheer on my couples who did get married. That's great. During the pandemic and think <laughs> yeah. like, wow, good for you Is guys. Is it like a shot in the arm for your so. own marriage when you attend like a really reverent and like beautiful wedding? Oh, I, there, I've been to so many weddings before that I've gone up to the priest afterwards and said like, oh, that homily was edifying to me as a married woman. Thank you. Like it's definitely, there have been, yeah, there have been so many experiences that I've gone to um so so many weddings that I've gone to that I think like wow I was edified by that homily or the families okay my favorite part of weddings I love and I don't want to say favorite part because there's so many great parts but I do love seeing like the the extended families and the families I know we were just saying like with COVID it might not be that many people there but some of what I have loved Mm. over the years of doing weddings is the families that I get to meet and you know the parents of the bride and the parents of the groom and families in all shapes and sizes like I've seen you know brides who have one sister, you know, or grooms who have like seven siblings or whatever it is. But I love seeing the families and like the generations of families. Um, Cause that's where it, I mean, I, I love, I did a wedding this past fall, two falls ago, every single grandparent was in, attend, in attendance. So the bride, both sets of, yeah, both sets of the bride's parents, grandparents, and both sets of the groom's parent, grandparents. I'd never seen it before. And I took a really beautiful portrait of all of them. And I'm rethinking, wow look at the love that's trickled down from those grandparents and like the extended family and everybody like that it's such a beautiful witness yeah 
incredible yeah that brings such their own unique... weddings yeah I was gonna say you and just, I love you, know, you see like the oh, multi-generation um you know husband and wife kiss kind of pictures on like Pinterest and that kind of thing um and uh so often I think um those are chosen for like the style or because people think it's you know cute and you know no disrespect of course but um to think of it as far as um you know the legacy of someone's grandparents or parents like literally standing in the same frame as them I had never really um considered it in that way that's a really beautiful way that you reflect on that yeah I love something else too for brides planning a wedding and I sometimes it's hard if you're marrying someone whose parents maybe aren't together anymore or you know parents are separated for whatever reason I know that that's something that I always am sensitive to whenever I photograph weddings I ask you know are there any family situations I could be should be aware of because again you set those expectations for what a family's gonna look like and they don't it, it might not necessarily be how you know you thought it might it, that's you know I just I throw that caveat in there but I love um shoot what's the name of like a legacy table or a generational table or uh there's a name for it at a reception you have all the photos of like your parents wedding yeah the wedding picture table yeah the wedding pictures i i I forget i I, think i call it a legacy table i did a wedding a covid wedding yeah this past Mm -hmm. uh august and they had an exquisite table and i remember standing there gawking at the photos you know as the photographer thinking wow look at this photo of the, I think the uh, bride's grandparents got married in Puerto Rico in an old, like very traditional looking Catholic church. And there's like 50 statues on the altar and there's like really ornate candelabras and chandeliers. And you can see it in this photo and you see their, you know, the bridesmaids and the priest is in the photo. And I thought like, wow, someone snapped this photograph. Someone took this photograph and it's sitting here on a table in 2021. Like, and seeing those legacy tables, I love that at receptions. Even if, like I said, even if your parents aren't together anymore, or even if there's different break-offs or however it looks, I love a good legacy table at a reception. And I think guests do too. It's something that people can look at and go, wow, look at those generations. That's great. It's, it's, I, love, yeah. I love a good legacy table. Man, so you said you've been married for um, for nine years. So as a wife and as a mom, um, do you have yeah. any wedding planning advice uh, from your photography experience, any marriage advice, you know, just from your role in your vocation that you would like to share with our brides? Yeah, I mean, again, I mm-hmm. think I want to talk a little bit about expectations and what that is. Sometimes you put a lot of expectations on a wedding day and I look back and Stephanie, you, you know, being married as well, like looking back on your wedding day and looking at your life now. If you could tell yourself on your wedding day, look to the future, it's going to be good. You know, it's, it's going to be good, I promise. Like, I, it's going to be good. Um, I think that it's hard to, to give advice. I don't feel like I have a lot to give just because I'm not necessarily, nine years, I mean, sure, that's not double digits. Or when I see people like at an anniversary dance, again, grandparents or great aunts and uncles at wedding receptions when they're like, they've been married you know, on the dance floor for 55 years. My jaw hits the floor and I'm like, nine years is nothing. Um, you know, and that, that kind of advice, but I would say starting, this is again, like I said, getting married in a church, building your mm-hmm. relationship on the foundation of the church and Christ will get you through anything. Like Peter, you know, Christ says, you are Peter upon this rock. I build my church. Like it's a firm foundation. If you're getting married in the church and you're doing it, you know, quote unquote, right, you're doing it right. You're getting married in the church. Like you are starting off already on a really good foot. And, and know that when things get hard, like you, your marriage just started on rock. Uh, coming back to that, I think about that when I, we've had hard times in our marriage or different chapters or things that 
don't always go according to plan. Going back to the fact that like, okay, our marriage started in a church. It was started in front of Christ and it was, you know, built on a sturdy foundation. We will get through this or this will, this is where it kind of, it brings you back to, to what's important and it brings you back to the foundation of it and having, like I said, having that relationship with Christ and also having that with your spouse. So um, pray a lot together, pray together. I know people hear that a lot, even praying separately, like having a good spiritual life aside from your spouse, making sure that you have a good spiritual life, that you're going to confession and taking care of your soul and your spiritual life to be able to be a good wife to your, to your husband, or, you know, if guys are listening (laughs) to be a good husband to your wife, like that's something that you need. I feel like the spiritual formation individually, separate from your spouse, but also together. So um, that's my advice. I know it sounds cliche again to pray, but knowing that your marriage started in the church and started on that rock in front of Christ, that's a good place to start. And um, he's cheering for you. That's something that I always think about. Like Christ wants your marriage to succeed. He wants it to bear fruit because it's a reflection. Yeah, it's like the hard times I think are where you kind of like see what you're made of. And it's like, that's when we see what crumbles and what endures and like you said like the church will endure and so I think having the confidence that your relationship and your marriage is founded on something so strong and so unchanging it's like we don't even know the graces until we're like going through I know and again I bring up the Catholic wedding vows because I've been to so many weddings as a photographer and as a guest where the vows are written and, and things will change or it's, it's in that moment or like a funny moment in the relationship. You know, I vow to love you even if the Packers lose the, you know, Super Bowl or whatever it is like that's in the moment that's fleeting, but there is something about those universal truths in the vows that are eternal. And knowing that I feel like should give you some sense of some grace, you know, absolutely. Hope. Yeah. One thing that's like stood so, out to me yeah. from my wedding was that um, we asked the priest if we could say our vows directly to each other in full rather than like the repeating, um, like one at a time. Actually, and, hearing um, the priest in the mic. Awesome. Yeah. Like I didn't expect to break down. Like I, I guess I consider myself pretty emotional. I, I knew I would be weepy for a lot of the day, but I didn't think I would barely be able to get through the words, but um, there's like such a, there's such a power and a weight to them knowing that other people, you know, through time eternal have like spoken these words before you as part of the universal church, like there's that gravity, but also just knowing what you're promising to your spouse and you're really here in this moment. Like I still, I feel like that for us was one of the best wedding decisions that, that we made yeah, that's a good. Uh, um, yeah, that's good advice. Look back on that, but um, yeah, thank you so much for spending time with us today, Elizabeth. Anything else you want to share? Oh Any yeah, my stories or... No, I mean thanks, Stephanie. Thank you so much for having me. I love the work that Spoken Bride does. You guys do really good work, and I think again, this is pre. If <laughs> a resource like Spoken Bride existed before I was getting married or when I was getting married, I feel like aspects of my wedding would be different or I would, I would have more of a, a resource to look to, you know, to look to instead of, I don't know. I mean, Pinterest didn't even exist when I got married, but I do love the work that Spoken Bride does and how it can connect so many people through the community as Spoken Bride with the vendors and different, you know, the blog posts that you write. I mean, the podcast is an awesome extension. I've been with you guys for a long time. Actually, I think the very yeah, end of the when you guys first got started, wedding, like, I was with you guys. And, 
Yeah, um, it certainly has been a gift, like having you alongside us in our mission for, you know. It's been awesome to see it grow. It's been, it's been, yeah, beautiful to see it grow. And I always get proud whenever anybody shares like Spoken Bride vendor. I'm like, yeah, go Spoken Bride. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's awesome to see. So thank you so much for yeah, our having pleasure. me on the show. Um, and... Thank you as well. And the admiration and the support are totally mutual. So um, Elizabeth, we're so glad we could have you share your story, share your insights today into couples being able to grow in faith to root themselves in the church for, um, for a strong marriage uh we love having you and we're so thankful to you uh for anyone listening elizabeth can be found online at elizabethmphoto.com and on social media at elizabeth underscore m underscore photo and the last thing if today's episode was valuable to you please be sure to subscribe to this show wherever you listen to your podcasts and follow spoken bride at spoken bride uh, we're growing in so many ways that we couldn't have pictured uh, back in 2016, um, which Elizabeth, like you said, you were there. Um, sorry. And so for all of you listening, mm-hmm. um, we love having your support. It's an honor to to pray for you and to hear your stories and testimonies and be able to share the goodness, the truth, and the beauty of marriage with others. We would love for you to be the first to know about some of our upcoming projects we have and to help us live out our mission of supporting you in every state of your engagement and your marriage with spiritual support, practical tips, and always a heart for authentic relationship and encounter. We'll talk to you next time.